This is The Ordinary Christian Podcast, a podcast dedicated to real people like you seeking to live out your Christian faith in the ordinary aspects of everyday life. My name is Craig Thompson, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm a husband, father, pastor, and writer. I hope that this podcast will help you to use the margins of your everyday life to live more intentionally for Jesus. Hello and welcome to episode 72 of the Ordinary Christian Podcast. Today on the podcast, I have my friend, Todd Warnock. Todd is a pastor here in town, um, is also just a man of, of many other talents. But today, he is with me to talk with you about things that you should, and maybe more importantly, things you shouldn't say to grieving people at funerals or at uh, receiving lines or basically at any other time when you encounter those grieving folks. So it's the reason we've got Todd here with us today. Todd Warnock, welcome and thank you for being with me. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate it, man. Yep. So, Todd, not to jump into all your business too much, but what is it about your life that uniquely qualifies you uh, to have this conversation? Well, I'm uh, like you said, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just a guy. I grew up in Camden and I raised a family here. Uh, raised raised uh, three kids here, um, and unfortunately, five and a half years ago, um, after a prolonged illness, um, my then 19-year-old son Robert um, passed away, and not uh, not something that uh, not something we expected, not something that we uh, obviously not something we wanted, but uh, as we walked through that whole process, as we walked through, um, first of all, several years of Robert being really really sick. And then, uh, especially as we walk through his death and the and the funeral, um, you know, as you said, um, gave us an opportunity to to hear some things and see some things that uh, you and I've joked a lot over the last several years. Um, man, it'd be great to tell people, hey, here, here's what not to do. Yeah, <laughs> right. And so, uh, and a big part of what we're going to do today is actually just that we're we're going to give y'all. Um, in addition to hopefully some, some, some really good sound wisdom, we're going to look at the scripture as well. We want to give you a list of some things not to say uh, when you encounter those grieving people. This is fresh in our minds right now. There, there's a, 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 an unfortunately tragic death in our community. And, and uh, in the middle of that, we've been doing some ministries, especially to some young people right now. And a lot of times folks just find themselves <clears throat> in the presence of grieving people and and i mean it's it's a little uncomfortable right like i i want to make you feel better but also i i'm just uncomfortable with the silence i don't i don't want to do nothing we have a running joke here it's it's and it's just true like i own it a lot of people who are listening to this have received this from me people come to my office and they start crying and i give them a mint i always give mints to crying people I, I, in my mind it fixes everything you know but we, we just kind of want to do something when people are hurting right yeah and and you know we like you said uh, this is all pretty fresh to us but uh, um, you know i'm reminded often that that we go to these funerals and and you know I, in the south we have these receiving lines and and so we stand in the receiving line we typically are there with our wife or with a friend who went with us uh, to to go and to pay our respects to the family and so we'll stand in a line, um, and uh, you know somebody like like the young man today, like like Robert. These lines are really really long, and so people will stand in line sometimes for an hour, and they chat and they talk about everything under the sun. And all of a sudden, there's the realization that I'm next, 
And and like you said, uh, my fear is I'm going to get up there and it's going to be really really quiet. So I need to say something that's going to impart wisdom. That's going to that's going to make them feel better. After all these people have talked to them, I'm going to be the one that's going to say something that's going to all of a sudden make them realize that the loss of their son, the loss of their child, loss of their you know loss of their friend, that all of a sudden it's going to be better. Okay. Well, let me just ask you before we get into some dumb things. Sure. All kidding aside. As you look back, especially in those moments surrounding, like immediately surrounding Robert's death, those weeks and months, was there anybody that came to you and just dropped that one word that just was like, whoa, that was was really life-altering for me? Man, I don't know that there was... Um, you know, I was fortunate to have some, some really good friends who in, in, imparted um, spiritual wisdom, uh, scriptural wisdom, but but the reality was, you know, for the first several months, I don't know that I really wanted to hear any of that. Mm. Um, you know, at, at the risk of kind of jumping to the end, um, you know, maybe. Um, you know, the thing that was most powerful to me, um, and, and I'll I'll share a very very quick story. Um, right after, immediately within within several hours after Robert's death, um, I'm sitting in the den and I look up and. I had a lot of stuff had happened and, and I was asleep. I'd taken some medicine and I was asleep and I woke up and I looked across the room and I saw two of my very dear friends sitting there and I said, what are you doing here? And they said, we're just, we're just here. And I said, what time is it? And they said, it's one o'clock. And I said, in the day or in the night? And they said, it's one o'clock in the morning. And just the fact that they were there, like I, I, I felt a peace. Mm. Um, and so I went back to sleep, and I woke up the next day, and they were not there anymore. But, but I remember <laughs> they, I, they, they didn't spend the night. They didn't spend the night. But, uh, but, but I remember that, and, and it was a good lesson for me, having done chaplain hospice chaplaincy, and and having you know been to a lot of funerals. Sometimes not saying anything is the absolute best thing that you can say. All right, but before we get to that, yep. let's talk about some of the really awesome ones. Hold on, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna start. Okay, I'm gonna start for one that actually was said to my grandmother in the receiving line. Um, I never knew my grandfather, but my grandmother buried three husbands. So um, she was married. Uh, that that man passed. She then married my grandfather. They they were married for 20 years, 25 years, um, and he passed. Um, before I was born, she then remarried again. And so this is her third husband. They were also married for nearly 20 years. This is her third husband. She's standing in the receiving line, and a family member comes through and looks at her and says, Well, Aunt Clara, I see you buried another one. <laughs> I mean... I mean, what what are you what do you do you just hear that and you go man what are you thinking what yeah. are you, I mean yeah and you know I think people that that know us well um you know you you and I can 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 joke about some of these and and of course it's easy as we talk about some of these now they they sound funny at the time I remember that that some of them that are funny today they weren't funny then they, were they, they? weren't they no. weren't funny they were, they were, you know, I took them as insensitive. I took them as right. you've had all this time standing in line to make me feel better. <laughs> and this is the best you got. Yeah. And so, uh, um, so yeah, it's, you know, I think it is, I think it's difficult. Right. Well, let's work through your list. Give me some of the things that people should, stupid things people shouldn't say. Yeah. So probably tops on my, um, on my, on my stupid list is, uh, um, I had a lady, uh, who walked up and, and, and for the record, I believe that every single person who came up and spoke to me when Robert died 
I believe they meant well. I believe they really were trying to find something that would comfort me. But I had a lady who came up and she said, I'm so sorry about the loss of your uh, of your son. Um, I know exactly how you feel. I had a dog that we had for 15 years and he just died recently. And so... Uh, and what do you say? Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Next. <laughs> Next. So, you know, again, I, I, I know she meant well, but... Um, you know, really, that, that's a that, that's an expansion of the line. You know, what we want to tell people is we know how they feel. Um, and and here's the deal. First of all, you, you don't know how I feel. Yeah. Um, worst case is if you've lost a child, you may have some idea of how I feel. But to, to tell me that you know how I feel because you've had really bad days because you've lost I've lost both my parents um, so I know what that feels like um, I've lost close friends I've lost dear dear friends nothing compares to the loss of a child mm. and so um, I get that you want me to understand that you understand what grief is but but it's but it's not comforting um, because my thought at the time was there's absolutely no way mm. that you know how I feel you know what I feel so so the whole I know how you feel um, it is not, you know, it's not particularly comforting. <laughs> All right. Um, what about those people that decide this is a really great time to expound on their theology, right? Those, those new seminary students, right. right? That, you know, well, God has a plan and in the middle of his perfect sovereign will, he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, and I think that's where you get the 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 head and the heart. Call it the head and the heart disconnect. Um, you know, when things are good like today, I understand. I understand the theology. I understand the theology. I understand the theology behind when somebody says he's in a better place. I, you know, if I had a choice, man, I'd much rather be hanging out with Jesus today than than you know hanging out here. But so so I get the theology, but in the depths, <clears throat> in the depths of of grief. That's, that's not particularly com comforting. When somebody says he's in a better place, my response, you know, what I want my response to be <clears throat> is, you know where the best place for him is? The best place for him is sitting right here next to me, having a conversation with you and us as talking. And and so, um, th you know, the, the whole theology thing, um, God needs another angel is another one that I think somebody's trying to, you know, impart some. And, and what horrible theology, right? Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, like, because God doesn't need nothing. Well, and not just that. People that are listening to this, I, I want to make sure you know that angels are created beings. They are not dead souls who right. then are turned into angels. It's important that we remember that. Right. But, uh, yeah. Right. But if it were, in fact, that, that God had some desire for an angel, he certainly has the power to create his own. He doesn't need to take my son from me to, to, to do that. So um, you and I are on text thread and we, we actually asked for some of these from some friends of ours. And I, I thought this one was ironic, sad, whichever word you want to use. But a friend of ours said uh, that after his dad died, he somebody looked at him and said, they're not suffering anymore. He said, but the ironic thing is my dad wasn't suffering. He died suddenly without without any, you know, pre-existing issues, it just boom. But these people are just, they just wanted to say something comforting. So right. this is what falls out. This is a cliche. Exactly. So. Um, yeah, so, so you know, the, the theology thing, um, you know, God knows what he's doing. It was God's plan. It was God's will. Um, 
you know, in those times, uh, you know, again, a real quick story um, that, that I think, you know, is related. Um, you got two pastors standing in the back of the church years ago. Um, uh, you and I both know Brian, a good friend of mine, our lead pastor at the river. Um, my dad was really, really sick. And it was, everybody had said, you need to come. He's, he's probably not going to make it. And Brian and, and I was I was visibly upset and Brian came to Brian came to comfort me and what I thought he was coming to tell me was that this was God's will that that that, that this is God's will that's that's what looked like was getting ready to come out of his mouth and as he walked toward me I stood in the back of the church two minutes before we were getting ready to start the service and I said I said listen Brian if you're getting ready to tell me that it's God's will that my dad's going to die today then I don't want God's will. And, you know, I look back at that, I clearly, I, you know, I understand, you know, God has will and I don't get to pick and, and God's going to do what God's going to do. Um, and, and I don't get to intervene and decide when he does and when he doesn't. But at the time, there was zero comfort in somebody telling me, hey, God's going to do part of this grand and glorious plan that he has. And the end result is, is going to be that your dad's not going to be here anymore. That's, that's not comforting. That's not in the moment. That's, that's not comforting. So I think, you know, I think you apply that to, to funeral. As you said, you know, young seminary students, old seminary students, people that want to impart scriptural wisdom, there's probably a better time than, than you know, within days, hours or days of, you know, losing somebody. Yeah, there's those raw emotions, you know. And then, you know, you, I, I don't know if you know this aspect of my testimony, but the Lord actually called me to ministry. It, it coincided with the death of a friend in high school. Um, I had a friend in high school, very close with. She died in a car accident that night. That night, just as clear as day, the Lord, the Lord called me to ministry with Isaiah chapter forty-two. Uh, Behold, my servant whom I, I whom I uphold, my chosen one whom I delight. I'll put my spirit on him, bring justice to the nations. I, I later learned that that was that was messianic psalm. That was that was God's you know, speaking of the Messiah. But at, at seventeen years old, all I knew was that just as clear as if Jesus had sat at the foot of my bed and pointed his finger at me, I knew that I had been set apart and called to do this. But I was angry. Like, I was raw angry in that moment. And I just said, no, I will not do that. Like, I had all the theology. Right. I had all the things down pat. But I was not interested in being obedient to the Lord in that place. Um, and, and that's sinful on my part to be unwilling to obey. But I also would not have been interested in hearing someone in that time tell me about God's God's perfect plan. I remember one of these other stupid things. I remember during that time, and of course this has been 25 years ago, I remember somebody saying, God only picks the most perfect flowers for his garden. And right. What is that? That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Right. You know? Uh, and, and, and But but people just throw these things out there. I bet it's worse now. I, I mean, think about it like Facebook. People can just throw these little memes up at you, and it's just like sunflowers that are popping up. Right, right. So, um, let's see. You got a few others that are on here, um, and this one is a little personal. But you just you said, "Hey, it's really difficult for people to look at you and say, what, what, number one, how are you doing? Number two, to ask what happened.'" Yeah, um, you know, so so around the the what happened. Um, two different answers around the what happened um one of two things either i know and you know in in the case of robert um you know robert had a long prolonged illness 
But the circumstances surrounding his death were were very up close and and very personal to me. Um, you know, doing doing CPR on your own child is not something that that you ever wanted to have to. You know, yeah, you don't want to ever have to go through that. Um, you know, holding him as he takes his last breath is not something that that you want to go through. Much less that I want to sit and talk to you about, um, especially not three days after it happens. Yeah. Um, so you either you either don't want to share, or you know you may not know. Um, what I know is that Robert's not here anymore. Mm. You know, in the case of a you know in the case of a, a tragic car accident, we may not know. Uh, you know, was alcohol involved? Was alcohol not involved? You know, was it his fault? Was it not his fault? Um, and unfortunately, I've been in situations where where people want to press. You know, I, what happened? Man, he had a it, it was a car accident. Well, do you know any of the details? Like, was he at fault? Like, at, at that moment, my thought is, who cares? Right. Like, who cares whether it was his fault? You know, you're talking about a grieving, you know, you're talking about a grieving parent, a grieving, yeah. you know, a grieving friend. Um, uh, the, the, uh, um, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta help me. The other one that you just said, um, uh, how, how are you doing? Oh, how are you doing? Um, you know, we, <laughs> we, we want to ask, but the reality is, you're standing in a line. To talk to me because I just lost my son. Do you really do you really want to know how I'm doing? Because if I told you how I was doing, and again, I remember standing at the high school in the line with people coming up and, and asking that question. Um, you know, the easy answer is to say I'm doing okay, but I'm not. And you know, yeah. you and I have had conversations before. Five years later, there are days that I'm just not doing okay. Mm. And, and so... Uh, um, Again, you know, if our goal is to stand in line, if our goal is to say something that we think is going to be helpful, those those are not it. Mm. I, you just talk about how do you feel. I, I, I think that we, again, it's one of those things we just don't know what to say. Right. We and, and sometimes those, I have messed up, and those words are just falling out of my mouth. I, and there likewise. are times when I catch myself and I go, oh, you, you know what, just, just forget I said that. You know, because... I, you, you just let's just pretend like those words didn't fall out of my mouth. So, if you're listening to this and you've messed up and said those things before, we're not we're not doing this to try and you know shame you or, or anything like that. It's as much as anything we just we just want to help you. And if you've done it, you know just try to move on. But we want to try and help you to think a little bit more intentionally for this. Um, time heals all things. How you feel about that? Um. You know, I think it probably falls into the to the category of it. You know, it, it'll get better. Hmm. Um, and and one of the things I tell people, you know, are you doing better? Um, I, loss of a child, loss of a, a loved one. I don't think we ever do better. I think we, you know, th- things don't get better. Things get different. Um, and and so, um, you know, does it does it get easier? You you probably know as well as anybody. Um, just sitting here talking to you today probably wouldn't have been possible four years ago. Yeah, and um, I, I'm gonna interrupt you because sure. if somebody's listening to this and they've lost someone close to them, you just made them feel unbelievably depressed because you just told them it's never gonna get better. And hold on, let me finish. Okay, I, I, I just I want you to hear everything Todd has to say, but I also want those of you who are listening to this to listen to what I have to say of, of knowing Todd on the other side. There's still those days of struggle. But Todd's experience with grieving his son's loss today is not the same as it was five That's years fair. ago. That's fair. Yeah. 
That's yeah. fair. Uh, it's, yeah. it's appropriate that we that you still say, "Hey, Robert is still here, and I've not forgotten him." Right. But that's not the same thing as saying that you haven't found a way to still celebrate and memorialize him and move on with life. Yeah. So, so probably a better way to say it. And that's that. That's a really good point. Probably a better way to say it is, it's never better. Because I can reprimand you by yeah. tell you how to grieve, right? That's, that's right. what we're here for. Well, I, it, but, don't do that. Don't do what I just did. <laughs> no, but 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 no, I I think you make a good point. Um, you know, life, life gets better. Life, life things do get easier. Um, you know, time time does help, but it's never better that Robert's not here. Like, I, you're never going to convince me yeah. that the fact that Robert is not here with me is that that it's okay. That's okay. It's, is it? This is a question. Sure. Is it? Is it more like there's just a callus that forms? Maybe. Um, maybe. I, mean, I don't know. I've I've I, I, I've not yeah. been there. I'm thankful I haven't been. Yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I you know I think um, man, I think about that question all the time when mm-hmm. when when people talk about um, you know he's in a better place. Man, my, my my theology is stronger today than it was five years ago. My you know my my faith has has become stronger, <clears throat> but even today, given a choice, like he's he's probably re- not probably he's really happy where he is right now. Yeah, he's living. I mean, he's living his best life right now. He's laughing at us. Right, um, Dad, you idiot! What are you doing? Exactly. Hush, I'm good. <laughs> exactly, I'm good. I'm good. But if I had a choice, right. I'd have him back here with me. Yeah. You know, I would take him away from I'd take him away from God and all this good and all the glory. And he'd hate me for the rest of his earthly life after that. But But, but I would have him. But I would have him. Yeah. And so uh, that that I think is what I mean when I say it it the fact that he's not here is never gonna be like you're never gonna be okay with that. You're never yeah. gonna be okay with the fact that he's not here. But but you're right. You do you do learn how to you learn how to, to deal with grief, you learn how to process um, you know, you, you learn, you and I've joked, um, you know, you, you, it, sometimes humor helps and, you know, you find a little bit of humor that you can impart, yeah. uh, you know, about the fact that, that Robert's not here anymore. Um, mm. and my family still finds that a little funny when, you know, when I interject something about, um, well, that's okay. You know, Robert's not here to defend himself or, um, you know, so, so <laughs> wow. I get a little, I get that's, a little, a little from dark, Lauren. Man. Yeah. That's I get a little, little, little grief from Lauren yeah. and from, from Will and, and from Kelly every now and then. Yeah. Um, you know, when I say that or when I say, well, that's okay. I mean, Robert would have wanted to do this, but y'all go ahead and do what you want to do. So. But that's dark and it's funny. But at the same time, does that honor his personality and who it, he was when you do it that? It does. And you yeah. knew him. And, and so, you know, it, it, it does. Yeah. Um, but I would never, I would never presume, like, it's okay for me to do it. But I would never presume to do that with, with somebody else. And to your point about how people grieve differently, I sat with a lady years ago now and she had just lost her husband of of many years she also had lost a son in um i think he was in his 20s she lost a son before i knew her and i'll never forget and and when i say this to you i'm curious you don't have to respond i'm not asking you to but you 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 may think this is the craziest thing but i'll never forget she looked at, at angela my wife she looked at us and she said Losing a child was hard, and I thought that was the hardest thing I would ever encounter. She said, "But then losing my husband has just been devastating, and just to the point that when you when when we walk into a situation, we assume that we know how everybody feels, right. 
In this particular situation, what I assumed would be true was so far away from what it actually was, you know? And and to just be be willing to allow that grief to come from her rather than for me to sort of impose my expectations right. upon, of grief upon her right. turned out to be really important for her, but I didn't expect it to be that way, you know? Yeah, I, I, and then you know, like like you like you said when you just when you just started, um, you know, we grieve we grieve differently. Um, you know, even people. I had had a good friend of mine tell me that uh, right after Robert died, he said, "Welcome to the club that nobody wants to belong to." Mm. And you know, the implication was that, man, we all have this this bond, this this kindred spirit because we've we've lost children. Um, and he had he had lost his son a year or so before. Um, but even in talking with him, I, even my wife, even even Kelly, Kelly and I grieved very very differently. <clears throat> and so, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm laughing because I've I've been privy to some of those conversations. Yeah, yeah. you know, Ke- Kelly, She's Kelly, a little was, more no nonsense about some of this stuff. Right, like get over it, let's go. Right, right, and and you know she's she had her time. Yeah, and and what I one of the things that I am extremely thankful for is that we didn't grieve exactly the same way at exactly the same time because had we done that, there would have been. There, there wouldn't have been one of us to pull the other one out of some pretty dark, wow, some some pretty deep places. Yeah, you know, I still to this day have not watched the video that they did of Robert, um, that they showed at the funeral. Hmm. I deliberately didn't go in until after the video was done, and I have not seen it. I have not looked at the picture collages that they did of Robert. Kelly was perfectly fine with putting that stuff together. Um, had both of us not been okay with doing some of that stuff, that stuff wouldn't have gotten done. Wow. Um, and and so, you know, she's she's had her stuff. She's she's you know more kind of matter of fact, but uh, but you know she she's had her tough times just like I've had mine. And and again, I'm I'm fortunate that we've been able to, you know, kind of take care of each other when one's up, the other one's not. And and you know, God's been gracious that that uh, he's he's orchestrated it that way. And we'll get on to some of the, the things you should say and should do in a minute. Yeah. But before we do, um, and really a little more serious than some of the funny things we talked about, but as we think not just about the things we say, the sensitivity to the fact that grief can kind of hit people out of left field. Right. Um, and, and sometimes can come from out of nowhere. You know, two weeks, two months, two years later, all of a sudden there's this 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 thing that just hits you a song a smell a, a moment an event and it just hits you in the in the mouth you know that sensitivity if if i'm not the grieving person just to recognize that you know i mean just to pick on you just for a sure. minute right i mean the fact that we in our community uh, our community's grieving loss of a young person right now i mean that that's that's probably got to be hard for you or others that have lost right. children in that way like and so all of a sudden out of the blue this is not about you but then oh right there in the gut i just took another shot you right. know um i i'll just read uh, an experience of grief for myself again the friend i lost in high school I'll, I'll never forget the day that something happened uh two months after her death and i thought man i can't wait to go tell her and it just washed over me like a ton of bricks that she wasn't there. Right. And, you know, I mean, this was, the funeral was over, life was back to normal, and there I was just reduced to a puddle because I forgot that she wasn't there, you know? And so just, um, you know, just for those of us who are not grieving, 
to try to be sensitive to those who are grieving and, and sensitive to the fact that that grief can come in weird places and at weird times and, and probably unexpected. Yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine who lost her lost her husband um, relatively recently, last year, year and a little, year, little over a year ago. And, uh, you know, just driving by the place where, um, where he was. Wow. Is, you know, it's, it's extremely emotional. I have friends um, who lost somebody in a traffic accident and they don't, they don't take the route to where the accident occurred. They, they go out of their way to avoid where the accident occurred. Hmm. And then, like you said, you know, we, we have these triggers. I've had people that, you know, walked up to me at church and they say, you look like you're upset. And I could walk you through the 14 steps of why this little kid who's throwing a basketball at a basketball goal, you know, the 14 steps that take me from the basketball goal to football to sports to my son to, I could walk you through all those steps to tell you why that little kid playing with that basketball having a blast impacts me today and didn't impact me last week and may not next week. Um, but but like you said, just know that, that things trigger us. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Things will things will trigger us, and um, you know what we don't need is you to tell us, well that that shouldn't. I mean, come on, he's playing with a basketball. That that shouldn't upset you. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, shift gears. I didn't warn you about this. Sure. But one other thing, just uh, if there's some of you who are listening to this podcast who will who will one day be asked to speak at a funeral or at uh, a receiving or at a memorial service. Uh, just please listen to me. Be really careful and intentional about what you choose to share in those places. Be sensitive to the people who are there. I, I, I sat in a funeral for, for a man who died of alcoholism and listened to someone step up and give a eulogy and celebrate the times they went out drinking with this man with his children sitting there having lost their father. Mm. This person steps up and talks about all the alcoholic, all, all the fun they had drinking, about going to strip clubs together. I mean, with his kids sitting there. And it's, uh, you know, what in the world are you doing? But even if you're not going that far, just be be aware. I had a, I had a funeral that I participated in one time, and somebody gave a eulogy, and they slapped the, uh, the pulpit, and they said, Tell Dale Earnhardt we said hello when you get there. And I thought, that is the strangest thing I've ever heard in my life, right? Um, I, those people were related to me, Todd, just so we're all clear. Uh, you know, just if you're ever asked to speak at a funeral um, or to speak on behalf of someone, make sure that you are being cognizant and aware of the fact that their family members are there. You know, right. put, just think intentionally about the words that you'll say if you're asked to speak um, on that. That's that's not exactly the same thing that we're talking about. But I just want to throw that in there because I sure I, I see that happen a, a decent amount where folks step up to speak at a funeral and they just really get out out of whack with what they choose to say. Uh, all right, so um, these are the things we shouldn't do. So what what do we do? So what should we do? I, you said um, early on that uh, the, the thing that jumped out at you early was that somebody was there. In Romans chapter 12, 15, uh, Paul says that we are to uh, rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. 
oftentimes the most important thing we can offer to people is just our presence. Absolutely. Our presence. Um, the book of Job is, uh, so we, we tend to avoid those passages in scripture that deal with, with weeping, just to be totally honest. We don't like to be broken. We, we, Psalm 51 is okay because it's short and it's somebody else's mess, you know, but when we jump into Lamentations where it digs down into us, that's hard. In the book of Job, right, there are passages in Job that are just so heart-wrenching, but uh, in Job chapter 2, the Bible says that Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon upon him, upon Job. So if, if you know the book, his, his children all die, he loses all of his possessions all at one time. Um, and his friends hear about it, and they came from his own place. Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuite, and Zophar, the Naamathite. They came, made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and to comfort him. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and they wept and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. And no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. These friends did the best thing that a friend could do. They showed up and they, they, they stayed. They were there and they were just present. You know, um, I... I we speak because we think we need to. Oftentimes, right. a, a hug around the neck is worth more than all the words in the world that we could say. Yeah, I think that, uh, um, you know, I, I, I talk about the, the, the gift. You know, people say, what, what can you give me? What, 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 can you, you know, what can I give you? What can I do? And, I, you know, I talk about the gift of presence. Um, you know this with, with me and my story. You know this probably as as well as anybody um because you've been victim when you're trying to get work done here and and i come by and i'm like hey man how you doing and and you've had this unique um this unique ability to know when i come in and i just walk into your office and i say hey craig how you doing you've had this 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 ability to to say i know there's more to it than that and um I mean, there have been many times I know that, that you've sat in this office and not said a whole lot, which I know is hard for you, um, but but not said a whole lot. <laughs> and and just listen to me vent and then listen to me cry. And uh, and and I appreciate that. I appreciate that about you. I've got I've got a few friends that are that are those kind of friends that are willing to just sit and to listen to me cry and to know that at fifty nine years old, it's okay that I cry. Um I heard somebody say this morning, I wish I could say that it was it was original to me. Um, you know, the shortest, the easiest verse in the Bible to memorize is Jesus wept. And Jesus wept because one of his friends had died. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, to, to one of the things that I would say is that, you know, as you sit with somebody and you're thinking, man, why is this guy crying? Why is he so upset? Um Man, just walking through that 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 grief process. Um, sometimes that's all I need. I don't need you to tell me that it's going to be better. I don't need you to tell me that um, that you know I stop crying. Um, it's going to get better. I don't need any of that. What I need to do is I need to cry, and I need to mourn the loss of my son. Or you know, again, Jesus mourning the loss of Lazarus. Um, I think right. Yep, Lazarus. Um, so, you know, so that gift of silence, that gift of presence, um, all the way back to the first thing you ask, man, that's, that's one of the most meaningful things to me, just to be able to come and to, and to share my feelings 
and and I don't I don't need anything. I don't need you to I don't need you to you know lay scripture on me. Uh, you know there's 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 a time for that, but I don't need you to lay scripture on me. I don't need you to tell me that it's going to get better. Just just be there. Yeah, and um, lastly, I guess my last word of caution. Um, if you're a believer, you, you, you're rooted in God's word. You're 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 theologically sound. Oftentimes, at the moment, the, the the you know those those moments surrounding death, people in the middle of their grief can say some of the most absurd, um, theologically incorrect, maybe even sinful things. That's probably not the best time to correct them. Right. It's not the best time. There's going to be time for that. You know, when that person just looks and says, I would prefer them to be here with me instead of with with God today. Yeah, I, I recognize that that is wrong. There will be time down the road for us to address that, you know. Um, but you're probably not going to have to. It's probably going to fix itself in time. Right. Just listen. Just be willing to, to listen, to be there, to be, to be present um, not not judgmental, right? Just giving the time, and and as much as anything, <laughs> as much as anything, if you are the friend, the loved one, the support in these times, be willing to be the uncomfortable one rather than forcing the grieving person to be uncomfortable. Right. Is that is that is that, is that a fair way to say? That's, it? that's that's fair. That's absolutely fair. Okay. Anything else, Todd? Before uh, before we shut this thing down, just any other words of, of encouragement or, or caution or advice as we uh, care for those who are mourning? Um, you know, I'll, I'll leave you with this. I, I I'm I'm struck by a conversation I had with a with a with a young lady this morning, um, and she said, um, and I think this kind of speaks to the last thing you just said. Uh, you know, she said, "I'm I'm angry at God, and I know I shouldn't be. I know I shouldn't be. Um, I know that's not right." Um, you know, we, we serve a God that's big enough to deal with, you know, he understands our grief. I mean, probably as well as anybody, he understands what it means to, to lose a son. Um, and so, you know, the, the fact that we grieve, the fact that we, we're angry, um, that, that, that's okay. And like you said, there's, there's a time for us to talk about, you know, don't, don't go through the rest of your life angry. Don't, don't turn away from God because you're angry, but, but God understands, um, you know, we, we, we serve a big enough God that, that he can deal with the fact that you're angry, that you may say things that, like you said, aren't theologically correct or, or, or are sinful. You know, God understands that. You know, God understands just like we do that, you know, in the moment you're suffering. And I said I was going to give you the last word. That's okay. But I'm Go going to steal this one. No, steal um, it. You and I are fathers. Right. And my kids are angry at me sometimes, right? There are things that I do that make them angry. And my heavenly father, I, my anger towards him is never justified, okay? So hear me say that. The anger my children have toward me might occasionally be justified. But here's what I know as their earthly father. When they're angry at me, I would much prefer, I'd much rather them look at me and say, I'm mad. Right. And these are the reasons why. Guess what? I love them enough to hear that from them. To pro- well, If I, though sinful, can love my children that much? How much more my Heavenly Father and how much more can His love cover even my anger and my sin? He already knows. When I go to Him with my anger, that's my opportunity to confess it to Him, to lay that burden before Him and to trust that in the middle of all of that that Jesus died even for that anger that I have for Him. Amen. So uh, we, we just we have to share that. 
I am going to take a lot of what we've talked about. I'm going to turn it into a pot. Uh, this is a podcast. Uh, turn it also into a blog post with just a list of things not to say and a little bit of reminder from Job and, and from Paul's words about weeping with those who weep so that in addition to hearing this podcast, you can just have a list of things. I, I would actually love to hear from you. Maybe you have been a grieving person that has had that word of, of comfort that really m- meant a lot. I'd love to know what that is. I'd love to share that with folks. Um, maybe you've got some things that you could add to our list of really boneheaded things that shouldn't get said. Uh, regardless of what it is, just know our whole purpose in doing this is uh, because um, many of us have often said, you know, we ought, to, we ought to tell people what they shouldn't say, and we just never get around to it. And Todd and I talked about that this week and decided we wanted to put it out there so that, that we could help y'all not make the same mistakes that we've made right. or that, uh, right, yeah, because you've made them, right? Exactly. <laughs> oh, I hadn't thought about that, right? Absolutely. You're, you're sitting here going, don't do this because it happened to me, but I bet you there's been times when you were like, well, it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, year, years doing hospice chaplaincy. Um, I learned that stuff, and then when we lost Robert, I said, I'll never do this again. Yeah. And I found myself just three hours ago I walked, walked up to somebody and I said, hey, how are you doing? Oh, that was not something that I should say because I'm, I, I know how you're doing. You're doing awful. Really bad. Yeah. yeah. So so we're trying to help you, but just know that uh, there's grace. Uh, we, we mess up. Right. But uh, hey, if you've got some of those other other things that you've experienced, let us know. I'd like to know. Uh, do me a favor. I'm, I'm always looking for help in coming up with what the, the next podcast is going to look like. So help me with some ideas of things you think we could discuss on the podcast. It helps me a lot if you share this. Um, uh, I, this podcast has had far greater impact than I would have ever anticipated. Um, I, I continue to, to get feedback from folks that are listening to it. So help me by sharing it. Uh, give us a review. That makes a big, a good review. Bad reviews, keep those to yourself. Uh, give us a review. Uh, share it with somebody. Um, let us know what we can do to help you. But thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Ordinary Christian Podcast. Um, if you're struggling today with grief, uh, find somebody that, that'll sit with you. Um, don't we, we've made light of some of these things but if you're a person today that's struggling with grief um, get in touch with me uh, I'd, I'd, I'd love to help you find somebody get in touch with Todd and if you don't know how to do that call me I'll, I'll get you in touch with Todd he'll sit with you uh, we don't want you to drown in that grief we want to be there for you uh, thank you for tuning in hope that you have a great week and look forward to speaking to you next time on the Ordinary Christian Podcast thanks thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Ordinary Christian Podcast I hope that you will use the information in this podcast to encourage you to love Jesus in the ordinary aspects of your daily life. Jesus surrounded himself with very ordinary people who made a difference in the world because of their Savior. You can make a difference too. If you would like to read more of my writings or find other podcasts, you can find information about me on my website at www.craigthompson.org. For information about Malvern Hill Baptist Church and sermons from our church, you can go to our website at www.malvernhill.org. Until next time, use the ordinary margins of your life to make an extraordinary difference in the world around you.